Hello, everybody, and welcome back in to the Jets Lab podcast. I'm your host, Joey Bonsanti. Sitting across the laptop from me is my good friend, good co-host, Jared Romeo JT. It's been a while, buddy. How you doing? Joey, I am glad to be back. Uh, like you said, it's been a while, and a lot has happened since we've taken this little hiatus. Yeah, I mean, we didn't do it just for fun. Like, we obviously missed <laughs> we obviously missed time for a reason. We both had COVID uh, back-to-back weeks, which wasn't fun during Christmas, and that's kind of why we missed that. And then just busy season, New Year, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, we got to go off. out and see the family, Joe. Yeah, push us off the, off the trail a little bit. So, But, again, we're back. Figured, hey, let's sum up the last four games of the season. Let's get into the uh, the real Jet season, which is the off season starts now. Uh, but yeah, let, let's let's you know jump into uh, some of these Jets games that we missed. We're not going to do a deep dive, as everyone knows what has happened the past four weeks and uh, how we had finished out the season. But I, I say it's been a pretty eventful last four games, especially the Buccaneers one. But let's start it off uh, with that thirty-one to twenty-four loss against the Dolphins. Um, I'm honestly going to have to track back and kind of just see what happened in this game. This is following the Saints loss. Uh, we played actually really well in this Dolphins game. Zach Wilson had 170 yards, no touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, this is the Eccles pick six game too. Uh, defense showed out pretty early on in this one. But uh, put up a fight in Miami, which I kind of wasn't expecting. Yeah, this is definitely a game where it's the start of something promising. I feel like this was – Looking back on it, it's a lot easier to say it, but this was the game where you're like, all right, the Jets are going to be starting to play competitive football now. And this really set us up for, I think, finishing out the season in a strong way where we saw these last four games be competitive football. And with a team as young as us and with little coaching experience as we have, it's nice to see us be in a competition like this. And I'm sure, and I would say this three-game stretch of like Jets, Dolphins, Jags, and Buccaneers was probably the three better game stretch that we had the whole season in terms of scoring and offensive efficiency. Uh, the Jaguars game, we actually beat the Jags next week, 26-21. This was Zach Wilson versus T-Law, number one versus number two. Uh, I thought Zach played pretty well, 102 yards, touchdown, um, had some good, uh, had some good uh, rushing yards there too. Uh, but overall, I mean. There was a lot of Jets fans, of course, fighting as as to what we should have been doing here. Should we have lost? Should we have won? At the end of the day, I think, you know, you look at it and you say, well, you just you just won with a really young team with this this young coaching staff that's trying to get back on track. I, I don't really care if we win or lose. So I'm just glad we played well. Yeah, I know we both predicted losses for this game, Joey, but looking back on I'm actually I'm a little happy that we won. It definitely gave some life to this team where. It's like, okay, we can win games against bad teams, which at some point, every team, every good team, you need to win those gimme games. So this was just another way to uh, kind of tip your cap for the Jets and be like, we're moving in the right direction, it feels like. And then I'd say the probably one of the biggest surprises of the season moving on to the next game was uh, Jets-Buccaneers. We, lo- we lose by four points, 28 to 24. I don't think anyone could have possibly predicted what had happened in this game the outcome, some of the stuff that happened during the game with in regards to Antonio Brown and uh, pretty much retiring mid-game or, or quitting mid-game, which was absolutely crazy. I guess the Jets did break Antonio Brown. But for for the Jets to go up and play a Super Bowl team like the Buccaneers as well as they did, I was shocked. I, I was not. I was literally expecting like a 56-10 to 10 game. I don't know about yes, you. It was 
a complete shocker for me as well. And it was just so awesome to see us come out right out of the gate. You know, offense was clicking, defense was getting stops. We were sacking Tom Brady, which feels like we haven't done in a, a decade at least, probably. It feels like that. And the big thing that came from this game was the controversial fourth down quarterback sneak and everyone calling Zach selfish. All the people saying, oh, Zach, you can't do that, whatever. But overall, I was very happy with this game. I was happy that we went for it. Yeah, the QB sneak sucked, but I'm over it. Don't really care. It was better that we lost for draft anyway. And I know I had this written down on my list of things that we've missed over the past four weeks, but I think it's a good time to mention it and maybe talk about it too is the beat writers absolutely just slamming Zach during this press conference and, and post-press conference as well about how he was selfish on this play call of fourth and two. Like, you saw Braxton Barrios in motion. You obviously saw there was a miscommunication in the play call. Um, LaFleur even took ownership of that in his, uh, I think, Monday or Tuesday presser. So I, I don't understand, like, what they're trying to get out, especially Bart Scott. Willie Cologne, all those guys pretty much calling Zach selfish and, and saying that he wanted to sneak it. He wanted to be the one to win the Jets the game. Like, are we really getting to that point where we're blaming this quarterback for, for a miscommunication in the, in the play calling? Yeah, it got very ridiculous where, you know, Bart Scott and just saying like, oh, Zach is such a selfish person. Like, these guys have no more locker room connections. Joe Douglas doesn't let these guys go into the locker room. They have no idea that they say, oh, I know this because of X, Y, and Z. They're just assuming it. So there's no reason to take that to heart at any point. But I think this is a classic rookie mistake where Zach thought he saw a QB sneak lane. It, he took it. He didn't really, I guess, digest the situation well enough where, okay, there's Vita Vea right there. It's two yards instead of one yard. This isn't the play. And it's also just a rookie OC mistake. The Fleur forgot to mention, hey, no QB sneak. It happens. Also, if I'm LaFleur in that situation, I'm probably not going to call any of what they were going to do. I mean, the Braxton Berrios uh, in motion play, the handoff that was supposed to go to him, maybe. But if anything, I'm in the gun. I'm trying to win the game. Like hindsight's 2020, whatever. We move on. It's it's not a huge deal because I'd rather make the mistake now against the Buccaneers in a game that we don't really need rather than next year when we're actually trying to compete in December. So again, you take what you learned here, you move on and you hopefully fix that mistake when it comes to more important games in 2022, fingers crossed. Um, Jets bills to wrap it up uh, to start the, or yet, yeah, I guess the Buccaneers game was two days after new year's, but 10 days or nine days after new year, we played the, uh, the Buffalo Bills, we lose 27 to 10. This was an absolutely bizarre game. Defense held up really well for the most part of this game and kind of, you know, collapsed towards the end. But I think the Bills punter was having a, a worse day than any of us Jets fans out there. It was honestly comical to watch at that point. I feel bad for the guy. It was bad. It was cold, bad weather. But he really helped, helped the Jets stay in it a little longer than I think we should have. Yeah, not much to take away from this game. Like, again, Zach played well did not turn the ball over we saw more strides from him and that one throw to, to Keelan Cole the touchdown pass was beautiful like just an absolute rocket on the dime to him uh yeah. past a couple guys so fitting that right into that tight window too as we saw the replay so many times it was just fantastic to, to see him developing into that kind of player 
And yeah, I mean, we kind of expected this to be a loss as well. Buffalo fighting for the division and they end up winning the AFC East uh, as a surprise to no one. Not a surprise to me, at least because I knew they were going to beat the Jets (laughs) and the Patriots also losing the Dolphins, which is a bit of a surprise. But um, let's go over again. That kind of wraps up the season. Let's talk about the season as a whole. Let's talk about uh, the biggest talking point is sorry. <laughs> an ad playing on Zach Wilson's stat page. Um, 2,334 yards, nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Um, he went 213 of 383 with a completion percentage of 55.6. So let's talk about the quarterback first. What are your thoughts on the stats? What are your thoughts on the eye test? What are your thoughts in general? The stats, plain and simple, the stats are ugly. Uh, there's no way to sugarcoat that. You can't be thrilled if you're just looking at the stat sheet you're like ooh, that's not good i test wise and what i think i saw i saw at the first half of the season before injury young nfl rookie didn't really know what he's doing kind of going off the rails a little bit post-injury much more calm composed in the pocket kind of knew what he was doing out there reading the defense going through his keys and it really looks like Zach just made progress each and every week, which was just awesome to see. I think he really st- uh, started out pretty rough, finished very strong. Yeah, to that point, and I mean, the stats do back that up. His first six games, he had four total touchdowns and nine picks. His last six, eight total touchdowns, two interceptions. So I think he really learned how to take care of the ball, especially after that uh, knee injury that he had. Again, like you said, the stats are disgusting. <laughs> no one, if you were to tell me in the start of the season that Zach threw nine touchdowns, 11 picks, and 2,000 yards, I'd be like, what happened? You know, like, how has he not looked better? But he did grow. He did take strides. He did take care of the ball towards the end of the end of the um, end of the stretch there. So for me, you kind of have to disregard what the stats say. You, you kind of have to just look at the product on the field. He looked a lot better every single game towards the end of the year. So it shows promise in the next year. We saw the flashes that you wanted to see, but you could still see the flashes without him turning the ball over, which is what we saw in the last six games. And that's what I'm excited about. Like we have him here going out on a high note in a position where we can now build around him. And we'll obviously get more into that, like at the end of this episode. And then for the next 35 million weeks, when we talk about off season <laughs> breakdown draft stuff, but we're in a prime position right now with Zach he looks good towards the end of the season. And to put this in perspective, not every single rookie quarterback this year looked that great. Like, I don't think that any one of them is a sure thing at this point. Yeah, it looks like all of the rookie quarterbacks struggled at one point or another, maybe besides Mac Jones, but that's a completely different topic. We could get into that on Twitter if anyone wants to, but <laughs> there, there's no rookie quarterback this season where you're just like, oh, this guy's a stud blah, 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 whatever. They all look like rookies. And that's just what it is. You can't expect all these guys to be slinging the ball like they're Aaron Rodgers out there from week one. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was the second coming of Jesus Christ, according to many people. And he even looked horrible at points. Like he would have his three interception games, his just horrible decisions. And it's it just goes to show you, it doesn't matter how good you are in college or how high of a prospect you are. You're going to, get slapped in the face when you come to the NFL, you're going to get that taste of, of reality. And that's kind of what some of these rookies got. And all you, it's up to the organization now to, to build around him and make sure he has success. 
Now, in terms of the Jets as a team, we finished four and 13. Yeah, the record's ugly. I don't like it, whatever. Because not only because of the losses, but just because of the new game. But I don't want to get into that. It should be four and 12. It should be whatever. <laughs> I can't stand it. But maybe, and I was kind of um, reflecting on this today. We had, what did you have them at? Six wins? Uh, six and 11, yeah. Okay, I had them at seven wins. Hand up, complete. And, and it's it's okay. Like we as fans come on here and we talk about what we see, what, what games we should win, blah, blah, blah. Things happen over the course of the season that you can't really predict. Like I had them beating the Bengals, which we did, but it's, it's tough to predict. Like you would look back and say, did we beat the Bengals? Wow. We actually did. Like that's a game that we're not supposed to win. Looking back on the season, we thought the Bengals were a bad team. So to even think that that was like an easy win in my mind, we saw the Bengals grow as a team and now they're a playoff team. So it's tough to really predict like what happens throughout the season. No one thought that offense was going to be that dynamic, but yeah, definitely uh, just to your point, it, you can't predict everything, injuries, whatever locker room problems, not that the jets had that, but just things you cannot predict. And while we're talking about the Bengals quickly, uh, the jets need to turn themselves into the next Bengals that quick of a turnaround where, your QB is coming in year two and is able to lead the team like that into the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. And like where we were last year with the predictions of six, seven wins, like I feel like that is more where we should be next year. I think we were a little bit ahead of ourselves in terms of what we were expecting from Wilson and what we were expecting in terms of this uh, rookie coaching staff. I think we were far ahead of ourselves, but we can re- we can regroup now and kind of look into next year. And when we talk about the offseason, the expectations have to be a little bit higher. Like we have to be competing in games in December next year. And that's, I think, a lot of what the bar is from Jets Twitter and, and just online in general. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. I got a quick phone call, but <laughs> you're too important. Year, you're just too important for this. <laughs> oh, no. And nothing is more important than this podcast right now. But next year, if we are not playing playing meaningful football when December rolls around, it depending, obviously, it's very early to predict this, but I would say that's a failure of a season where you need to be playing meaningful football by the time uh, December is coming around. Like I hope to see in those graphics where in the hunt, Jets are at the top of the list. Yeah, all I all we're asking is it's a really pathetic bar to, to set in terms of in terms of what we are as fans. Like we're just asking to be in the hunt. We're just asking to play competitive games. We're not even asking to go to the playoffs. And I saw a playoff graphic on Twitter, as many people did, of the last time every team was in the playoffs. There's 21, there's 20, all the way down to 16. And then there is a massive blank black hole of just nothing. And then there's the Jets at the end in 2010. Like why are we looking at graphics like this? How are we, how are we this bad for so long? Like we have to, to do something. And I think that's kind of where at the point that we're at right now is kind of where we have to take that next step into just sniffing the playoffs. We're not even asking to go on a run and win the Super Bowl next year, like growth. I think that's what this season kind of sums up though, a little bit of growth. And it's just how, you know, about how we build in the off season, which is, you know, exactly how, what we, what we were going to talk about (laughs) (laughs) some quick points, you know, like we're obviously not going to get into all of the, because we could have an off season thing and talk about 
three hours worth of Jets stuff right now. Oh, but yeah. bringing up some some quick hitters from earlier in this four-week period that we missed, Quinn and Williams obviously hasn't played top-level, top-notch defensive line in terms of like Aaron Donald levels. Now, some people are calling to say, hey, we should maybe trade him. What are your thoughts on trading Quinn and Williams? Is that, you know, I, I have my opinions on it. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, trading Quinn definitely a no-go for me. I know people are saying don't even pay him at this point, but I think he sh- deserves to be paid. I think he just had an unlucky year. Next year, I am very confident that we're going to see the Quinn we saw one year ago where he was tearing it apart in eight sacks or whatever it was. But I think Quinn just really got unlucky. He didn't have an off-season training program because he had that foot surgery. He then had that uh, shoulder injury where that definitely limited him, even though he played through it. And once we actually get an edge rusher like Carl Lawson back, I think we're going to see a very good Quinn next year. And the bar was set really high for him this year. I think we all, I mean, me and you you included, like set the bar super high because we thought the addition of Carl Lawson was going to allow him to just open up and just destroy the middle of the offensive line, which could have been the case, but we never got to see that because Carl Lawson went down. So I think next year, bearing how Lawson is, like I don't know if Lawson's ever going to be 100% again of the player that he was. Hopefully he is. And with the addition of maybe another edge in the draft or, or free agency, don't know again what the plan is for that. Hopefully it will allow him to unlock his full potential. Something that we all thought he could have done this past season. So, but in terms of trading him, you don't trade him. Like this is a piece that we drafted a piece that is very good and it has produced in terms of pressures and stuff like that. I don't think it's a guy you just, trade away like we at some point we need to start keeping the pieces that we drafted yeah it seems like people just want to trade him because he had one bad season that's not how it works people are gonna have bad seasons it happens keep the guy no reason to give up on him this soon another guy that everyone's begging to bring back on the opposite side is braxton barrios a huge surprise in those that six or that four to six game stretch towards the end of the season where he had touchdowns in, I believe it was four or five consecutive games, whether it was a rushing or a receiving touchdown. And as a guy that's so loved by Jets fans now, and people are just outside MetLife Stadium saying, bring back, bring back Braxton. Like, I personally want to bring him back at the right price. Braxton Berrios is, for, for what he is to us, he's a, a depth-wide receiver piece. He's a punt returner. He's a kick returner, probably one of the best in the league this year. In that in that respect, but you know it's got to be for the right price. Like we're not overpaying a guy that's going to be wide receiver four on our team. You know, yeah, you're absolutely right, Joey. Where I love him too. I definitely want have to have Barrios back on this team next year. But like you said, it's got to be the right price. And right now, like the price in my head is around five million dollars per year for however long, and that's probably even on the high side. Who knows? And we could definitely get real into this as the offseason develops, but there are going to be a lot of Jets fans, I'm sure, who want to pay him even more than that. And you just got to break it down to the fact he is he was a good player in a bad situation this year. He is not a starting wide receiver consistently. And unfortunately, it's just the nature of the game. 
Yeah, three years, fifteen million for me does it. I'm right on par with you with the five million. I think that's more than fair for what he is. And at the end of the day, like punt returners and kick returners, like that's not how we value wide receivers. Like we value them for their for their production on the offensive side of the ball. He did have a lot of production, but as a wide receiver four and someone somewhere someone in this room where it's probably going to get a bit more crowded next year, whether we acquire someone by trade or via the draft. Like there's got to be a right price. He's good for the culture, the locker room, all that good stuff. And he he did do a great job in the return game. But, you know, this guy's not Devin Hester. So <laughs> um, I think he should be brought back at the right price. And I'm sure this will be talked about for hopefully this is put to bed pretty quickly. But um, kind of getting away from the extension stuff, the trade stuff. Becton was kind of, you know, he was slated to be a four to eight week injury when he went down against Carolina. Never came back. And that's the end of his story for this year. Like, what are your thoughts on Becton overall about the injury and then heading into next year, like expectations wise, like to, to, to salvage that horrible 2020 draft that Douglas had. I've created so many different reasons why Becton wasn't coming back. I've thought about it where, oh, maybe he wasn't being able to go into playing shape because it was a foot injury and then he had to train for a few weeks. Or maybe it was they saw Fant and Moses were playing so well, they just wanted Becton to get completely healthy. Maybe it was a weight issue. Who knows? But I'm now seeing people saying you need to move Becton to right tackle, keep Fant on the left side. You need to trade Becton. Who knows? I'm sure someone's thinking that. Overall, I'm a little sad that Becton wasn't able to play this season because of the injury. It wasn't his fault that someone fell into him, but you just hate to see it. And I think, though, next season when hopefully he comes back strong, healthy, in shape, he should be our starting left tackle. No questions asked. And um, I'm going to bring up, a, to your point, something that Damian Woody actually said. I heard him say this in a video in regards to this whole situation. And he was talking in terms of Fant. When we acquired Fant, the type of move it was and what Joe Douglas saw in him and his inexperience in Seattle, like he was a basketball player in college. He didn't really have much. Um, experience and didn't have many many reps on the offensive line as a football player. So when Joe Douglas acquired him, he knew that it was going to be a growing process, and he knew his athletic ability matched up with the amount of reps and the you know consistency that he would get on the offensive line would allow him to grow into the player that he is. And that's just that patient that 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 growth that we want to see in the team. So Douglas knew what he was doing when he got Fant on this team. So in terms of when people say let's move Becton over to right tackle, like, no, like we drafted Makai Becton as a left tackle. Makai Becton is a freak in terms of, you know, stature, in terms of size. Like this guy needs a shot at left tackle for a whole season healthy. And like, if he can't stay healthy, then I don't know that he's a bust, but we we're not at that point yet. Like he had a freak injury and God only knows why he was out for the whole season. Was it a weight issue? There's a lot, sure a lot of rumors about that in the preseason. So, again, I can't put my finger on one specific thing as to why he didn't come back this season. But next season is a big year for Makai Becton. He has to be a dominant left tackle, top five in the league for him to be, you know, to living up to those expectations, especially where he was drafted. It's going to be very interesting. I'm sure we won't hear the real reasoning why Becton was never coming back from an injury that should have been only six weeks, but 
maybe a few years down the line, we're going to hear, oh, yeah, that Becton injury, he didn't come back because the Joe Douglas really liked Moses and Fant. It's also going to be really interesting if we bring back both Moses and Fant, then what do we do? Or if we, like all the, uh, we already mentioned the right tackle talk. That's going to be something that the coaches have to decide this offseason. Is Becton ready for a left tackle load at the same time? A right tackle is just as important, but left tackle is where the money is at for these linemen. So a lot of questions I think will be answered. A lot of questions will be remaining. At the end of the day, though, like we both said, Becton is our left tackle, I think, when healthy. And he has to stay healthy. Like whatever issues he's having with the weight or whatever he needs to do to stay healthy, he needs to stay on the field next year. Like I cannot have him missing more than like a game or two. It just just cannot happen because I need that pick to live up to what it is and where he was drafted. Like no ifs, ands, or buts because another his buddy that was drafted a couple rounds later in Denzel Mims is very close to being on the outs of this roster right now. Denzel Mims had his opportunity towards the end of the season. He did not show up. And right now we're looking at someone who doesn't get open, who doesn't try, and just doesn't care about his opportunity because he had it. It was there on a silver platter form the past six games. I remember being so excited for Mims, and now I am leading the Mims bust charge almost. I feel bad, but not really at the same time. He does not care, I think, for this football team. I don't know if he doesn't care for the coaching staff, doesn't care for the quarterback, doesn't care for the GM. Who knows the real reason? Maybe, and hopefully not, he's dealing with some off-the-field issues. Then he's got to take that off the field and stay off the field and deal with it. But whatever the real reasoning is, Mims is just not a good football player right now, and that sucks to say. Yeah, and like you could even say at this point, we don't know if he's going to be on the roster. I would think he would be maybe as like a deep depth piece if he wants to come back and give it another shot and he actually wants to try. But we didn't trade him at the deadline for some reason. It, it must be because we think that he has potential, unlock potential. But it's just frustrating when you when you look at this and you say you have more. You brought in Davis, and then if Mims could have been just half the player he is today, like we could have had a decent core, and it just didn't work out that way. But receiver is something that we're going to have to address in the offseason, whether it be through the draft, whether it be through free agency. A, a name that is now circulated into Jets Nation is Calvin Ridley. Um, obviously Calvin Ridley missed most of the season with a mental health issue that he's still dealing with. Um, you know, that's something that now Jets fans take as, Oh, we could be a possible destination. I think it's a very real possibility, um, more real than like the Julio Jones speculations that I never thought were true, but this Calvin Ridley thing, I think it, it could be a potential fit. What is, what are your thoughts on the whole thing? To be honest, I kind of forgot about Calvin Ridley even existing just because, like you said, he had the mental health issues off the field, which you always hate to see and you hope he gets better. I mean, it sounds like he will be back next season fully ready, but it just, I forgot that he existed. He didn't play in the Jets game when we were in London, so we didn't have to worry about him then. But if there is a chance for Joe Douglas to trade for Calvin Ridley at a fair price, obviously, not sure what a fair value is on them right now, but that's something we can discuss later in the offseason. But you got to go for it, I think. This is a guy who can be a wide receiver one in our wide receiving room where we're struggling right now to have that wide receiver one. We signed Corey Davis. He was fine. He struggled a bit in the beginning, had some injuries, came back okay, had some injuries again. Elijah Moore looks great so far. 
but we need a solid, dependable wide receiver one, and that's what Calvin Ridley can be for us. And again, like you said, for the right price. Like, I don't want to undermine what this guy has done because I'll read off his stats right now. For his rookie year, he had 800, 820 yards, 10 touchdowns, and he had 866-7. And then last year, he had 1,374 yards with nine touchdowns. Like, that was his breakout year. And then obviously this year with the off-the-field stuff, he wasn't able to participate in, in, in many of the games. And now it sounds like the Falcons and him are, are going separate ways. Now, I don't really know what the fair compensation is. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent up to date on his contract and, and what the prices are on that, but I would think somewhere in the realm of like a two and a four. Does that sound right? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know either too. I, I do think we'll have to do some homework on this one, but if you told me right now, it was a two and a four, let's say for this year's draft to get Calvin Ridley, I think you would have to do that. No questions asked. Yeah. And and someone who could literally change your wide receiver. He is 27. um, Not super old, obviously, but you know, not super. It's not like you're getting like 25 and 27. That's two different things. Um, But I also feel like if you're going to acquire Calvin Ridley and, you know, God bless him. I hope that he figures out whatever is going on mental health wise. We need to make sure that he is going to be available to play. You know, like I don't want to, to get him. And he just won't be able to play due to off the field issues. Like it's fine if we get him and he's able to play, but I need to know that prior to that deal. So that's one thing that we need to get cleared up for sure. That's definitely something you hope Joe Douglas doesn't go into a trade where we don't know that information, but it's also information that's hard to get at the same time. And worst case scenario is if we make this trade and all of a sudden Calvin Ridley's like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not playing for the jets. And then we have to trade him again at such a discounted value because we have nothing else to do with him. Like uh, that doesn't really happen too much in the NFL anymore. Let's just hope that that won't be the case though. Knock on wood. And that situation, that scenario, that hypothetical situation that you just brought up is enough to tell me that Joe Douglas, like wouldn't do a trade like that just because of the, the possibilities, like the, the endless possibilities of what can happen with a player that was, you know, unavailable for the season due to something. But in terms of trading for players, um, a point that I brought up today that I was thinking of, Joe Douglas has not spent any of his picks really on like a really solid star player. And I think that that time is now. I don't know whether it's going to be a huge star or someone who is has significant value such as Ridley, but I think it's coming now. Like it you look at where we are. We just talked about the four and 13 season and how next year we want to be competing. Like this off season is important for Zach's growth and this team's growth. If we want to continue rising up, going in this direction, if you obviously can't see me because you're listening to me, but I'm pointing up towards the ceiling. So I could see him trading picks this off season, whether it be in the draft or just in the off season in general for a starting caliber player on offense or defense. JD has acquired a large war chest of draft capital. And I know he wanted to set, or I know he said when he first came here that he wants to build this team through the draft. But I think it's coming to the point where he, or at least the fans, us, we are ready to part ways with some of that draft capital for a superstar player at the right price, obviously, the right position, whatever. But I think now we're coming to that crossroad where it's like, all right, do we want to take a gamble or do we want to get the sure thing for a little extra price? 
and he and he could he could use all the draft picks, but he better hit. Like he better hit on a lot of them. And and we have two sample sizes right now from the 2020 draft and the 21 draft, both completely polar opposites. And if if Zach pans out, it's a it's a complete grand slam of a draft in my eyes. 2020 is trending the other way with Mims and Morgan and all those picks, but it's going to be important for him to spend the picks wisely. And that's when we get into the draft now. Like we have picks four and ten. The Seattle pick kept going up after they beat um, Arizona in the last week, right? That's who they beat, Arizona? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, they beat the Cardinals in the last week, which is unbelievable. Like, how did the Cardinals drop that game? Whatever. Now we sit at 4-10. and 10. I was looking at mock drafts because I think now is the time. If you're going to look at mock drafts, you start looking now, not in November, like a crazy person. <laughs> but I'm looking at it, and I'm just like, I don't like this positioning. I don't like the pick four. What do you think about it? Uh, yeah, it's weird. I've seen mock drafts where it's like we somehow get Hutchinson. I don't know how. Or I've seen mock drafts where we're getting Neil, or we're, we're going for Hamilton. And I haven't done a deep dive into this draft class. I really don't know which direction we should go in. I think there are a few directions we could go in where I would be happy with the end result. And, but pick four. It's a tough pick. Pick 10 is a little easier, I think, as a pick just from a turning point in the draft itself. It's like you're the last of the top 10. You know what you want. You know what's there. Kind of easy. But yeah, pick four. It's a weird area to be in where this can this draft can be dictated in so many ways at that pick. Yeah, and there's three players everyone's talking about. It's Hutchinson, Thibodeau, and, and Neil. And like, of course, we're on that outer crust where we don't get to touch any of them unless someone trades into the top three and grabs a quarterback but unfortunately for the new york jets this year the year that we're picking in this four slot the quarterback class is not glamorous it's not great where you could see four or five quarterbacks go within the top 15 so of course with our luck where we don't need a quarterback we're picking in the draft class that (laughs) doesn't have great quarterbacks so now we're awaiting the guy that we want I've seen a lot of drafts or a lot of people on Twitter saying that they want Kyle Hamilton, the safety. I don't know if I can possibly buy into drafting a safety at four. I personally don't think I could do that. I, I, to me, it's like, I want one of the edge rushers, like the two sure things in Hutchinson or Thibodeau. I want Neil or like trade back, I guess. Again, this is super early. We're in January right now. Like I don't, we haven't even done our, our deep dive into the draft. We're going to do exactly what we did last off season, go position by position, break it down, look at guys that we want in the earlier rounds, later rounds, whatever. We haven't even gotten to that point yet. So I don't really know. I'm kind of just speaking from the outside. <laughs> we tried it with Jamal, dude. We saw what happened. Like if you're going to take, does a safety, is that like a polarizing move for your defense? Like, is that going to win you games? When Jamal came in, I, I know it didn't. And then we traded him away. Like it, I don't know like how great a safety can be can be to take him at four. I just don't. I, at that point, I just say trade back a couple spots and then we'll get someone else. And like now the wide receivers after uh, Williams tearing his ACL in the national championship game, that's up in the air now. And I, I feel like the, the wide receiver class isn't as good to be like, oh, well, we're definitely taking this guy at four, we're definitely taking this guy at 10. Like there's not a wide receiver good enough to do that. So I got a lot of question marks and hopefully something comes out of this, you know, by the time we hit draft day, like that, we have more of a clear picture, which we probably will. 
Yeah, there's a lot of homework we're going to be having to do this offseason, Joe. And I've also seen people saying how we should go for Dean, the Georgia linebacker at 10. And I, some of the highlight plays I've seen from him in that national championship uh, specifically, they were awesome. But at the same time, it's especially in certain position groups for the draft. Like, I feel if you're taking a linebacker top 10, I know if you're taking anyone top 10, you really like they should be a sure thing or you hope they are, but position groups like linebacker top 10, that's something that needs to be a hit. Like quarterback top 10. Yeah. Busts happen. Quarterbacks get overhyped. Like I said, though, there's a lot of homework we're going to have to do and we'll definitely have multiple episodes talking about the draft and how we should approach this. Yeah, I just can't. Ju- I can't justify safety at four. I just can't. I just can't in my mind. I don't care how great he is. I haven't done any homework on Kyle Hamilton. I don't know much about. It. I haven't watched a single play of, of Kyle Hamilton playing football. <laughs> but I just don't know if I could possibly use my fourth overall selection on a safety. I just don't. I think that's a fair argument. <laughs> or or Stingley, like Stingley from LSU, has only played ten games in the past like X amount of years. I don't even know how what the actual number is, but like. Pre, like even a cornerback at four, do you know how hard it is to hit on like a lockdown corner or someone who's so good at cornerback? It's hard. And, and we've seen that. Like we drafted Bryce Hall in the later rounds and he's playing cornerback one for us. Like not saying he's the greatest corner, you know, in the league, but he's serviceable for what he does. Like we obviously need to add more, but it's just crazy. There's so many <laughs> question marks and dart throws. And if I'm going to throw darts at safeties, I don't want to be doing it at the fourth overall pick. That's all I'm saying, but we'll figure it out again. We're sitting here and it's uh, January 13th and we're already getting a little riled up, or at least I am about the draft. <laughs> um, I know we've been on here for a while. Do you have any, anything else, any closing thoughts, any things that we, that we haven't touched upon in this, uh, this month break that we've had. Uh, just closing overall thoughts. I first happy to be back doing the podcast. It does feel real good talking about the jets again, but Overall, very excited for the future of this team. We, I think, are trending in the right direction. I know there's still the pessimistic Jets fans who think we'll be terrible forever, but I really do feel we are going in the right direction, and it's only going to get better from here. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Um, at Holland Hondos, at Stacking Dollars, uh, at Jets Lab Pod is the uh, handle for the podcast. Sorry, I still have some COVID fog in my head. Um, and we're going to, we're going to start, we're going to be implementing some new things. So stay tuned for that. I'm not going to get into it too much on today's episode, but definitely stay tuned, keep up on the Twitter and we'll keep you updated there. Thanks for listening to this action packed episode. We will talk to you next week. And as always go Jets.